From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Is it me? Just me? I mean, the closer and closer we get to it, the more and more I don't want to do anything. Like, I don't want to work. I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit around and think about gravy. Hell yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. It's me, Mike. Uh, yeah, you know, just the, the brown gravy, nothing perverted. Uh, Mike Davidson Lives is the name of the podcast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for hanging out. As I uh, do it to it again for another rendition. Thanks for hanging out for the next half hour. Yeah, no, uh, Thanksgiving, as I've said before, if it wasn't for Thanksgiving, uh, this time of the year would just suck for me because right now uh, my nasal passages, my lungs are just kicking my ass. It's too dry. I mean, I, I'm saying this and it's uh, just rained outside my window here, but uh, overall the month of November has been very dry. Thanksgiving's coming up, and I really don't want to do any work, like any work. Like, I know I have to go to work to pay the bills, but I don't want to work. I know that, uh, you know, there's yard work, there's house and housework that I need to help my wife with. Don't want to do that. Uh, anything that requires getting out of the recliner and not eating, it's just like mentally I'm preparing myself for that layabout. And it's it's kind of getting that way with the podcast, too. I mean, I'm, I'm still going to do the podcasts and everything, but, like, for Thanksgiving weekend, because normally, you know, a new episode drops Monday and Thursday. I don't want, like, new content to drop Thanksgiving Thursday because that means I'm up the night before, and that means, uh, you know, maybe you're sneaking away for a listen. So uh, I might do... I might do a family-related Thanksgiving podcast. Uh, I'm going to try to get uh, my sisters, uh, Tracy and Kelly, to uh, play along and see if I can get them to do it. Uh, Pre-record an episode, uh, Thanksgiving-oriented, not politically correct, something just fun to fill the weekend if you get bored hanging out with relatives and whatnot. And that's bound to happen. So that's, that's basically kind of a look ahead. Here in a couple weeks, I'll keep you updated on that. Now, and also, because, like, every day I come home, you know, I'm reading, I'm, you know, prepping the Facebook page, I'm uh, watching the news, uh, you know, just like the long-range weather forecast for northeast Indiana has been kind of like, okay, it's going to get a little cold and a little warm, mostly dry, you know, not, nothing very eventful for November. But watch, Thanksgiving week, the winter storm will happen because it always happens because uh, they got to get you glued to watch the news. There's going to be this big winter storm that will cancel Thanksgiving, strand people at airports. Like you may not even plan to fly, but you'll wake up the next morning in an airport in a sleeping bag huddled next to somebody. That's how scary it is. You will be in an airport sleeping next to a stranger. Film at 11. That's, that's how that usually rules. So, Kind of keep an eye on those forecasts there. All right, so I am uh, reading, uh, finishing up this book my wife checked out from the library. Um, Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli. It's about the uh, making of The Godfather. I think it came out in 2021. So it's a relatively new book about uh, the making of this movie, and it's uh, it's great. I've got like a few more chapters in it. Um, uh, one of the last ones I've read was a couple days ago. James Kahn. Good Lord, this guy was a great actor. I mean, Marlon Brando, this was a comeback movie for Marlon Brando. And this was a movie that launched Al Pacino's career. Because he only had like one film to his credit uh, prior. 
prior to The Godfather. He was mostly a stage guy. James Caan, though, uh, he plays Sonny in it, and, and the chapter about him and his approach to the character, and uh, he basically borrows from Don Rickles, because Don Rickles was the insult comic. You know, he was always busting people's balls. And so he was just like, okay, I want to deliver my lines like that. I want to be like this guy, and I want to be cocky as hell. And it, it just adds a new dimension to it. And some of the influence that came from that performance, uh, I mean, there's a reason why they call the strip club and the Sopranos the, uh, the Bada Bing. I mean, and it comes from something that James Caan said in The Godfather. And uh, you know that uh, before he gets shot up at the toll booth, um, where, uh, you know, he's about to beat the crap out of Carlo, uh, his abusive brother-in-law, uh, I guess the the two actors didn't get along behind the scenes, got into a fight a couple of nights prior. And when uh, uh, J James Connell was um, blocking for that big fight scene with the stunt coordinator, uh, you know, they're scouting out the location. And he looked at the stunt coordinator, apparently, and said, uh, hey, yeah, do you have any cut off, uh, cut off broom handles? And the stunt coordinator goes, what? He goes, yeah, you know, in, in the old neighborhood, we used to call those attitude adjusters. <laughs> so this was a little bit of improv that Francis Ford Coppola didn't know about. Uh, apparently, Jimmy Kahn, you know, when he first busts out that uh, car door for the first take of this fight scene, and the guy playing Carlos, sees it, he sees the broom handle, and the look of terror is actually genuine because he did not know that Jimmy Kahn was coming out with a broom handle. And he chucked it at him. And, of course, this happened uh, quite a few times. Uh, but the first time, I guess, it glanced off the dude's uh, head and kind of gave him a nick, right? Uh, but, like, there was multiple takes of this fight scene. <laughs> and apparently James Conn chipped a bone in the dude's elbow. Uh, but <laughs> I know I shouldn't be laughing about it, but God, I mean, you, you can't get this stuff with AI, man. No way in hell you can get this with AI or, or CG. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I... I'll talk more about the book uh, when I finish it up for the next podcast. By the way, uh, yeah, the breaking news this evening was that uh, the Hollywood actor strike is finally over. And I know a lot of you are just like, thank God, right? 118 days these actors were picketing. And this this went on uh, quite a bit. Um, uh, the details haven't been in, um, really announced yet. I guess I'll break that down next podcast. But uh, it's a tentative thing. Uh, they got to go over it and all that stuff. And if it gets uh, ratified, three years of non-striking for these hard-working guys and gals, I suppose. Um, you know, it. I I get like I said before, I get the pushback on AI. But if actors and writers, if Hollywood overall was making content that people enjoyed, this would not be an issue. I mean, this would be an issue that uh, moviegoers, uh, TV watchers would get behind. But uh, there, there seems to be a lot of, you know, coastal versus uh, flyover country fighting when it comes to the audience and uh, the, the makers of content. Uh, like I said, I'll, I'll break it down here in a little bit. But uh, thank God because, you know, they're stretching everything out so, uh, so far apart, uh, pushing back releases and everything. Marvels, though. The Marvels. Featuring uh, Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel and uh, the other Marvel. Uh, or Photon, I think. No, it's not. I mean, I'm drawing a book. Basically, you got three Marvels, three Marvelous Ladies uh, at the uh, center of this uh, Captain Marvel sequel. 
coming up Friday. I had no idea how this is going to play out. I just, uh, it was this uh, BFG Facebook page I follow up. Apparently, uh, empty seats at a Portland, Oregon movie theater. Although, there's a lot of people saying, well, that's not the problem in my town. I live in Orlando, or I live in this town. And, you know, people... People are seeing it, and, I, and I'm sure it's going to attract some people, but they're projecting. I saw one projection that said that uh, Marvel's may only make $60 million this weekend. Oof, that would be uh, that'd be pretty rough. I don't know if I want to see it yet. I mean, my wife really enjoyed the first Captain Marvel, so I think eventually we're going to you know, leave the, you know, the kids with uh, the, you know grandma, and we're going to go see it. And, you know, any time I can spend with my wife is great. Um don't know if I'm going to enjoy this movie as much. It's because, like, I really haven't even watched any TV show Marvel put out. I think the last one I sat through was maybe Hawkeye. I haven't been able to bring myself to watch season two of Loki. Um, yeah, Hawkeye, that's going back about a year, right? At least. Uh, yeah, so tough trudging for uh, Marvel. And hopefully, hopefully with this uh, writers and actors strike, they get their act together. <laughs> King of the Hill, by the way, this is disappointing as hell. Um, they're, they're wanting to do a reboot for Hulu. Uh, Mike Judge and um, Greg Daniels, who were the showrunners back when it was on Fox back in the 90s. And uh, they're saying they may not bring back Khan, uh, the Laotian neighbor, uh, you know, played by Toby Huss, because Toby Huss is not Laotian. He's a voice actor. He's a you know character actor. You know he, he provides the voice of a cartoon, and they think that's you know putting on a Leo's face or something. So they may not bring him back, or they might bring in a Laotian voice actor. It's that's unfortunate. I mean, look, if you can't do the show right, just don't do the show at all. I mean, you already don't have Brittany Murphy as Luann, so let's not do that. Tom Petty's gone. Reboots suck because you're trying to capitalize on a nostalgia for something years ago that you can't recapture. And if you're already making up rules as you go along that you can't do certain things now that you could then, there's no point in doing it. Because all you're going to do is upset fans of the original show. Yo. And you're not going to attract any new shows. You're just making something for a new audience that can't be bothered. They're not going to get the nuances of Hank and Peggy and everything. And hell, Dale Gribble. The voice of Dale Gribble no longer with us. Yeah, it's just it you're you're pretty much hamstringing yourself, you're handicapping yourself saying you can't do certain things when three actors are dead and the other one can't do it because well he's a white dude. Uh <laughs> you know, it's it's you might as well just stop and pursue another project. And cast whoever you want for that. Because if you can't do what you did before, what's the point in doing it? Don't m make stuff for a modern audience. Uh, by the way, Patrick's, uh, Patrick, not Swayze, Dempsey. I was going to say Patrick Swayze. But uh, if he was able to do this beyond the grave, more power to him. Just like in Ghost. Patrick Dempsey, according to People, world's sexiest man. And I didn't know that was something that was resolved in this past Tuesday's elections. But apparently it was. So congratulations, Patrick Dempsey. Now, it got me thinking, because, like, how how do they determine this, first of all? Do they just ask all the uh, the uh, women office workers and people, hey, who do you find sexy? And they're just lounging around watching reruns of Grey's Anatomy. Two, 
where is the world's sexiest woman? Uh, you know, I'm, and I'm not expecting people to put that out because I mean their demographic is female, but it, it is kind of a double-edged sword because the you know we've gotten more politically correct as time has gone on. It's still okay to say this dude is a piece of eye candy. He is the world's sexiest man, and Patrick Dempsey looks a hell of a lot better than me, no question. But if you're to do that to a woman, now you're just objectifying. You know, and you're, you're being part of the patriarchy or whatever. Some women are just a 10.5 out of 10. That's just how that is. Um, and that's not to make other women feel bad. I mean, I don't, as a dude, I don't feel bad that Patrick Dempsey looks better than me. I'm a little upset he makes more money than me. That's the side of the point. Um, but, yeah, the, the this uh, sexiest thing. I mean, it's, uh, it's like a spinal tap. What's wrong with being sexy? Sexist. If you haven't seen that movie, you're, you're missing out. You youngins are missing out. Barbara Streisand. Streisand. Like sand. Um, for years, people have been mispronouncing her name, and it's upset her, even though she's insanely rich. Um, because some people pronounce it Streisand. Streisand. And he, uh, one of the biggest... Culprits, one of the biggest criminals of this offense is Siri. Siri, who is the biggest pain in the ass? Barbara Streisand. I don't know if that's uh, the answer to that question, but apparently if you uh, got Siri to talk about Barbara Streisand, uh, you know, she would say Streisand. And it got to be, it got to be such a problem for Bob, for Babs, she actually called Tim Cook at Apple to get this fixed. She called the CEO of a frickin' trillion-dollar company to fix the pronunciation. There is no amount of caroning out there uh, at Walmart, at your Applebee's, anywhere. There's no woman on this planet more demanding than Barbara Streisand. None. And I'm counting Meghan Markle. Markle in this here. Um, and, you know, here's the thing. Like, I had somebody tell me once that uh, only women from red states can be barbers. Like, only conservative women can be bar, uh, you know, Karens. Barbara Streisand just pulled, she is ultra liberal and she just pulled the ultimate Karen. It really doesn't matter what your political leanings are. If you're just expecting the world to revolve around you, and you have, you know, double X chromosomes, you can be a Karen. If you're a dude, you're a Chad. But she is a Karen. So the correct pronunciation of Barbara Streisand is Barbara Karen or Karen Streisand. But don't say Streisand because that will just make her poor or something. Uh, speaking of aloof celebrities, Tom Morello, guitarist, Rage Against the Machine. Yes, he is a great guitarist, but... Uh, yeah, even if he went to Harvard, I don't really think he's all that smart. Um, I, I meant to get to this last episode because apparently the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony was this past Friday. And when I was the afternoon host here at the uh, local rock station in the long ago, you know, I would I would talk about the induction ceremony and who needs to get in because there's a not just not just rock artists, but I mean hip hop, R and B, country. Um, there are a lot of influential musicians that are still on the outside looking in for Cleveland. 
Rage Against the Machine is no longer one of those bands. But, you know, the whole thing about Rage Against the Machine was they were this, uh, you know, fight back against the man type of band. You know, very left-leaning, you know, never mind that they were on a major label. They were, they were fighting against the man while getting tons of radio airplay with corporate stations. Uh, Three-fourths of that band kind of adhered to the uh, the edict because only Tom Morello showed up for the induction ceremony. And I guess uh, one of the things he said during the speech was, you know, if you have a boss, join a union and pick up a brick and throw something if you're mad. You know, shake things up, stir shit up. Tom Morello, who is a wealthy non-union guitarist who would probably get pissed if you threw a brick at his big home or car telling you what to do. You remember that uh, line from the song, F you, I won't do what you told me? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, he's being the man here, trying to be the man. And there was a photo floating around after the, um, <laughs> floating around after the uh, the induction, where, you know, Tom's holding up uh, the induction plaque with his fist in the air, you know, fighting the power, you know, accepting the accolades of his peers, mind you, in front of a Disney Plus ABC banner. That just screams aloof. Aloof. And it's 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 sad when you uh, outgrow certain musicians. Uh, I'm wondering who's worse at this point. I mean, I him or Roger Waters. I guess it would be Roger Waters, seeing how he's just screamingly anti-Semitic. But uh, I don't know. Keep talking, Tom. That might change. Okay, so kind of getting back to the whole uh, election thing Tuesday. I you know I'm not a prognosticator. Um, I'm not going to, like, read the tea leaves, seeing if, you know, this is good for Democrats or Republicans in 2024. Because, you know, a lot can happen in a year. But uh, our neighbors next door here in Northeast Indiana, Ohio, they have legalized recreational marijuana. Now, there might be some laws that pass saying you can't just, you know, smoke this at a McDonald's. Which makes sense because you can't light up a cigarette at McDonald's. But, I mean... My, my whole thing is this, as long as it doesn't interfere with your uh, ability to drive a car or do your job, I don't care if you got pot at home. If, you, if you're if you blazing away on a Friday night, just, you know, you know, you know, trying to relax after a long work week, no problem. Okay, but, but if you're Cheech and Chonging it down 69 and I'm behind you and you're going like 20 miles under the speed limit... I'm going to be a little pissed. So, you know, I kind of get, you know, Ohio's like, yeah, we legalized it, but, you know, there might be some guardrails in place. But it get, kind of gives hope to uh, Hoosiers because, you know, here in Indiana, you know, up to our north, we got uh, Michigan with, with the pot thing going. Ohio's going to have that going soon. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe Indiana will finally get this thing legalized in uh, 2073. I mean, like, we, we got the CBD oil all over the place. You can't drive down the road without seeing, you know, a CBD shop where, uh, where a restaurant once was. <laughs> all right, so that's legal. What could be illegal, this kind of pisses me off. Um, this story gaining some traction uh, in a lot of major cities, Washington, D.C., I think San Francisco, and uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, home of uh, your... University of Michigan uh, signal-stealing Wolverines. 
they're they're wanting to make right on red illegal. Like you'd get cited for turning right on red because there's been some pedestrian deaths due to this. These same people that will tell you that we have to tear up intersections uh, to put in roundabouts because idling cars are bad for the planet wants you to idle your car because somebody can't look over the shoulder, can't look both ways before crossing, can't look away from their phone to cross the street or you know keep the earbuds out of their ears to hear oncoming traffic. Now you know, my my viewpoint on this is this. If you drive a car and, and of course there's outliers, you're more likely to live further away from the downtown area of a lot of these places. Yeah, you know, if you own a car and you live downtown, I understand that. But the the, the thing here is Cars are dangerous for people who live downtown, work downtown and all that. So they're going to do what they can to make it more of a pain in the ass for you to drive downtown. Which means, hey, buses, hey, trains, hey, uh, cabs, I guess. You know, they're not going to do anything to, uh, you know, outlaw earbuds or looking at your phone walking down the street. No. Not that I'm advocating that, but I'm saying they're going to make it a pain in the ass for responsible car drivers. So uh, keeping traffic moving smoothly is going to not be so smooth. There's going to be more backups, and they're going to be like, what can we do? They're eventually going to use this to push for more public transportation downtown. Not just any downtown. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, going with Ann Arbor here, I just remembered... Uh, a few years back, they had some uh, crosswalk issues at Purdue University, uh, West Lafayette, Indiana. This is the same school that Neil, man on the moon, Armstrong went to. You know, engineers, astronauts, very smart people go to Purdue. And they were having trouble with students crossing the street and not paying attention to oncoming traffic. And some kids, unfortunately, got hit. And it's uh, become more commonplace because you can't put your phone away. You can't put your earbuds away. But uh, the, the guy, the gal, you know, doing what they can to drive responsibly, now they're more responsible for you not knowing where the hell you're walking. So you got that going on. All right, so a couple of um, Nash, uh, Tennessee stories here. Uh, Gannett has finally found their Swifty reporter. Thank God we can talk more about Taylor Swift in the media. We weren't getting enough of that going on, right? Uh, do have this linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Dude um, is already getting some criticism because journalists are wondering if this guy can be objective enough to co cover Taylor Swift. Because... She's as uh, important as a UN delegate, I guess. And he's trying to make his argument while Swifties were swift to criticize him, saying, can you understand, Taylor? Can you understand how big she is, how important her cultural impact, blah, 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 blah. They're debating the importance of a Taylor Swift reporter. That is the sad state of journalism right now. You have the fans wondering if you can provide enough fan service and journalists... Without any sense of irony, wondering, well, can you talk about the uh, hard, the hard-hitting questions of uh, of Taylor Swift? What what issues does she bring to the plate? Somebody's getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do this job, and there are people already bitching about it, and it just yeah, 
Gannett, USA Today. Who knew? I uh, wanted to touch upon this real quick, too. Uh, the Nashville Manifesto. And I know that uh, there's been some censorship issues about this uh, with uh, Google and Meta. So who knows how how many people are going to hear this podcast now that I bring it up. Um, but for the uh, layperson, there was the uh, transgendered uh, former student of a Catholic school earlier this year who went and shot up school. And I think, you know, half a dozen people were unfortunately killed. And the manifesto in question has been locked up, has not been uh, shown to the public. Well, a conservative uh, commentator, Stephen Crowder, uh, got part of this manifesto, three pages of it, put it out there, and uh, this uh, this troubled young lady apparently um, <clears throat> apparently thought it was uh, uh, okay to do this because of the uh, young privileged crackers. Keep in mind, three of the six that were killed were children, very young children. And there's some uh, other ramblings on this thing. Um, but it's been interesting to watch the media reaction to this. Because, uh, you know, a lot of them are like, well, who's this whistleblower? Typically, if this was something uh, a little more left-leaning and this was leaked, we would be celebrating the whistleblower. But because this puts uh, somebody uh, who's a cause celebre, or whatever you want to call it, it's something that uh, a lot of media types empathize with. We're looking for the, the person who did this. We're looking for the leaker. When you're uh, a hero, you're a whistleblower. When you're a villain, you're the leaker. So somebody leaked this, and you know the cops want to know why, the FBI want to know why, and you know these investigative reporters. There's an investigative reporter for a television station in Nashville who is calling anybody that's critiquing the holding back of this document as MAGA. You know, if, if you want, if, if, if you are questioning why this is being held back or anything else, you are automatically a Trump supporter. I'm not a Trump guy, and I'm wondering why the hell this thing isn't released. And this reporter's going on, well, you know, I've heard from others that he's just not white people that this person hated. Uh, she hated everybody. It was uh, something for everyone. And if you question that, you're MAGA. And, and this guy works for a television station on camera. And, and you know, it doesn't matter if she hated everyone. Uh, still, six people were killed. And look, if this thing is being taken out of context, put it in context for me. Release the damn manifesto. You know, and, and if government, if the cops, if the FBI not immediately releasing it, advocate for it, be a, de a detective. But they're not doing that. Again, we're looking for the leaker. We're not looking for the whistleblower or protecting the whistleblower. Um, and that is a big reason why a lot of people are having trouble trusting government and trusting journalists because they are kind of promoting an agenda by not promoting what's behind all this cover-up. The shooter's already dead, you would have to assume there's no immediate danger to the public because of this. You'd have to sh assume that the shooter acted alone. What's the big holdup? But now these these alleged journalists are being palace guards. And I, I want to point out that oftentimes when a journalist leaves the journalism field, he or she does not become a detective or a private eye or a hard, hard-edged investigator. They go into public relations 
And I think that's what this uh, investigative reporter is doing, is trying to make, you know, the, the, the palace unblameable. He's being the palace guard. He's protecting power. He's not speaking truth to it, whatever the hell that means. That's kind of my uh, perspective on that. Okay, a couple quick hits here, a little more lighthearted. Uh, this, uh, this uh, I hope you didn't eat uh, before looking at this, Mike Davidson Facebook page. Uh, an award-winning nature photo. It's a great photo. It's just scary as F. Um, this was taken around Washington, D.C. Some photographer went to the park with a very, very, very detailed lens and photographed a close-up of a wolf spider with her baby spider babies. Baby spider babies. What the hell, Mike? It's late. Uh, as a crown around her head. They're just crawling all around her. If that doesn't give you nightmares, I don't know what will. St. Louis, um, a robbery gone awry. A man was saved after uh, he and an acquaintance were confronted by a pair of robbers. He was briefly kidnapped. They wanted him to go to the ATM. And when they told him to get in his car and they tried to drive off, they ran out of the car because apparently it's manual transmission. Great theft deterrent. Very few people know how to drive manual transmission. One of the big reasons why I don't get into carjacking. So, there's that. And, <laughs> well, that and that whole, you know, going to jail thing or being shot by the car owner. You know, that, the, those are deterrents as well. Manual driving, jail, death. And, uh, finally, this is out of Florida. I keep forgetting that Florida has bears. Um, I, I guess around the panhandle, but this was kind of on doorbell. Uh, Uber Eats guy leaves um, Taco Bell on the porch for the uh, the customer. Bear walks off and takes the Taco Bell with him. Which answers the questions. Uh, if a bear shits in the woods, or does a bear shit in the woods? Well, if it's Taco Bell, he probably shat in the uh, driveway. That's it for me. Until next time, stay fresh, cheese. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.